Well, good morning. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 8, if you would turn there with me in your Bibles. And as always, there are Bibles in the pew rack in front of you. If you do not have one, and if you don't have one at home at all, you can take one. It's free. And uh, read it. Check it out. Today we are starting a four-week series called Adore Him. You'll see the little imagery in your bulletin or in your uh, message notes. And we'll be doing four different uh, messages on Christmas, on the Advent season, on, on uh, why are we adoring Him, that is Jesus, uh, and, and reasons we should adore. Today we are focusing on, on Jesus as the dawning light, and we'll see that in imagery uh, in Isaiah chapter 8 and 9 as we work, work our way through that today. Uh, it should be a fun a fun experience. I think that uh, one, of the, one of the goals that I have for myself and my family during Christmas, and I, I would hope that our church family does as well, is that you and I would prepare our hearts to adore Jesus as we reflect on him even more during Christmas, and that you and I would help others who don't know Jesus to adore him because of this season, because of what it means and because of what he's done. Um, this season is, is a great opportunity to, that, that hearts are being prepared to hear the message of Christ. And whether they want to or not, people subliminally, subliminally hear it all throughout the carols on the radio. Uh, tradition just speaks that we talk about Jesus. And, and uh, as much as the world may want to shove him aside, they can't help but hearing carols and, and being confronted with Christ, the newborn king. Years ago, there was a New York Times article, uh, like an ad published in the New York Times. And, and I want to, I you know, I'm going to kind of counter this statement. So it might sound exciting, it might sound like it's right and good, but it's off a little bit. Here's what it said, and I believe that this is something that the world kind of adheres to and, and clings on to. It said, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. And that was the quote. And I think all around the world you can see that, that heart of that message being lived out. People want peace. They want unity. They want to strive for that. They, they want to accomplish that. And they, they go to great lengths to surround themselves with people who can help them accomplish that. And, but in other words, what they're saying is that we have the light within us and that we can overcome poverty, that we can overcome injustice, that we can overcome violence, and that we can overcome evil. And this is not the message of Christmas. The message and reality of Christmas is that things are really, really bad. And that we can't heal or save ourselves. Things are really, really dark, but there's hope. Amen? That is the message of Christmas. We like to be cheery, we like to be, uh, have fun and have exciting times with our family and friends. But listen, if we really want to talk about Christmas, we need to talk about the darkness of this world and the hope that is found in Jesus. Today we're looking at Isaiah 8 and the background of this passage, I want to tell you a little bit about what was going on in Israel as, as Isaiah prophesied. King Ahaz had uh, established his reign and authority and dominion and power and, and tried to squash everything about true worship. Superstition was everywhere. Gold and silver statutes were being worshipped in all the homes of the children in Israel, of people in Israel. Uh, Ahaz finally shut the temple door and he barred it, closed, and left the whole temple to decay and to go to waste. 
Under him, true worship was being extinguished. And what we need to understand is that when when Satan uh, extinguishes true worship, what does he do? He lets false worship creep in, and false worship and idolatry become prevalent. Ahaz had also built many statues, but one statue was a a child sacrifice statue that had a furnace blazing at it at all times that uh, they practiced child sacrifice. And, and when Isaiah was trying to, 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 to speak and prophesy, he was trying to encourage the faithful remnant. He was trying to say to those who were believers, who had faith, who were trusting in God and seeing and living in the midst of this dark, dark, hopeless world, that there was hope. It was dark. And there was such a darkness and such a sin that it demanded, it demanded the announcement of a Messiah and Redeemer for the sake of the godly who were there. They would have been encouraged by that. Everything looked so bleak and hopeless that the godly needed to be assured that God, the real God, was still on his throne. And the ungodly needed to be assured that there was an available light, an available hope, an available Savior extending grace and righteousness to them. You see, today things aren't so different than back then, are they? We live in a very, very dark world. So we're going to look at this darkness and expose it, and we're going to check out today how we can adore Jesus as the dawning light that exposes the darkness. Would you pray with me? Father, it's, it's good to be here today to, to worship you, just to sing as, as a response from our heart about who you are about how you've impacted our lives. We, we praise you and give you glory. We thank you for that. We ask that as we spend our time now in your word that you would renew us and revive us. You would open our hearts to be receptive to your word, to the message today, that we would see clearly your light, exposing the darkness in the world and exposing the darkness and sin even in our own hearts. Challenge us and change us that we might look more like your son Jesus and that God, his, his light, the dawning light of Christ, would be seen through us that people would see their sin and they'd see the need and hope hope that there is in Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So we're in Isaiah chapter 8 and we're going to be beginning in verse 18 if you would turn there and and be there ready for me, with me. Uh, We're going to look at four different things that, uh, taking a look at the dawning light, kind of that explain and describe this dawning light of Jesus Christ today. So number one is that the dawning light exposes the darkness. And I've kind of preluded to that already. Jesus' light exposes the darkness, but to expose the darkness, we want to see and get a glimpse of that darkness. As we read this first section of Scripture, 18 through 22, I I want you to be aware and thinking about how it parallels us today, that we aren't so different, that our world isn't so different. We like to pretend sometimes things are okay and that things are happy and things are getting better, but they are not. The dawning light exposes the darkness. Isaiah chapter 8. Verses 18 through 22. Ready? Here I am with the children of the, uh, the Lord has given me to be signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. He's wanting to encourage the believers there, right? It's verse 19. When I, say to you, uh, when I say to you, consult the spirits of the dead and the spiritesses who chirp and mutter, shouldn't a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law... And to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, 
there will be no dawn for them. They will wander through the land dejected and hungry. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. They will look toward the earth and see only distress, darkness, and gloom of affliction. And they will be driven into thick darkness. There's this cycle that happens of despair. And, and, and see, what we do is we set up a way and a path that you and I can choose. Let's, let's try to figure it out on our own. We'll try to get the answer. Just, we, don't, we just don't want to look up. We just don't want to look to God. Let's, let's do it on our own. We have our own strength. And see, that's pride that gets in the way. Not only was it pride then, it's pride today. That we, we try to do these things on our own. We try to fix our own circumstances by ourselves on our own strength. And what happens is these circumstances lead to this enraged anger and, and wonder and questioning and blame. And we say, God, why am I like this? So that we look to God when we ask the question why and when we blame. Instead of looking to God first for the answer, we go trying to find the answer on our own, through ourselves, through our own strength. And when it doesn't work, we get mad at God. We get angry at God. And we blame him for the distress that is, is in our lives. So there's this distress that happens because we search for our own answers. Then there's this blame and there's this rejection. It says that we look up, we do look up to God to blame. And then it says what? It says we look back down. Then they will look toward the earth for their answers again and see only distress and darkness and gloom of affliction. And they'll be driven into thick darkness. So this distress and darkness caused by our pursuit of our own answers leads to this blame and rejection of God which leads to more darkness and more distress, which leads to more blame and more rejection of God. And it's this cycle that occurs in our lives. And it was occurring then as well. But the, the cure to the darkness, the answer is the dawning light of Jesus Christ. The dawning light is the answer and solution, that, the only one, by the way, that actually works. People sift and sort through all types of so-called solutions, Right? Most of our lives are spent, most of humanity's lives are spent pursuing fulfillment and answers and solutions to the sin nature problem within. We want to make ourselves feel better about us and about the situation around us. I don't have TV, and there's a lot of reasons I don't have TV, right? I, I stream Netflix or whatever for kids and for us, but I don't have regular TV. I'm kind of oblivious sometimes to what's going on in the world. Maybe I'm trying to blind myself to what's going on in the world, and, and, but I, I have to do my best because I want to maintain an open, clear perspective of what's going on. I don't want to live in a bubble, my own happy place with rose-colored glasses. See, people like to live in places with rose-colored glasses so they can see everything's peachy. But when we really look to the headlines, when we really look to the news, when we really get our, our news updates, things are not so peachy, are they? We, as a world and humanity, are in distress, and, our, and the solutions that we, we seek for our problems, we can never find one that actually sticks. We crawl around struggling and grasping at anything to hold on to. All the while, all the while, the dawn has broke. And the dawning light of Christ has exposed and exposes the darkness. Giving us something firm to grasp onto. Giving us a solution that is firm and secure. Scripture says it's an anchor for our souls but it certainly takes a humbling of our hearts, amen? That our hearts would be in a place to receive that. Keep your finger here, and let's go to the book of John, the Gospel of John. 
Fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to look at John chapter 1. I want us to see this light. I want us to understand this humbling and this preparation of our own hearts that you and I have to have. That that although there is a dawning light, we tend to still crawl around in darkness. And people still do that. And the light's right there. So John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and then jumping down to verse 9 and 10. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. We're talking about Jesus, right? He wasn't just born a child. He is actually God incarnate in the flesh who existed before time with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. In verse 3, all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. Verse 5, that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. I want to pause there and help us understand this word overcome. There's many translations. If you're reading another translation, it may say comprehend, right? It may say understand. Uh, Here's the meaning of the word, the darkness did not overcome it, does not mean that that the darkness wasn't there, right? It doesn't mean that the darkness um, was just defeated by the light and that was it. What it means is that the darkness and those living in the darkness couldn't grasp or take hold of the light. They couldn't overtake it. They couldn't comprehend. They couldn't perceive. They couldn't understand it. And I want to give you this analogy real quick uh, about about this this kind of conundrum. There's light and there's darkness and people can't see the the light. I got up this morning, as I do every morning, I get up out of bed and roll out and get ready. And and I'm a little groggy because we just got up. And today it was a little earlier because we start early. And, And it was dark, right? It's getting darker or staying darker later in the morning. So I get up, and it's dark, and it's not too dark. I mean, it's, it, there's a little tiny bit of light coming through from somewhere. And when you're, when you're waking up, you came from pitch black to whatever it is, so you should be able to see a little bit, right? And I, I seriously, I got out of bed. I, I wandered around. I kind of got things ready. I, I went to the bathroom, and I was, was, I was kind of perplexed. I'm like, what, why is it so dark? What, why can't I, I see what's going on? Why can't I understand what's happening here? And then it clicked. I wasn't wearing my glasses. I'm wandering around like, what? I, I don't see. I don't get it. And it, it clicked because I, I came into the room and I, I looked at the clock and I'm like, well, that doesn't seem right. It, it's a digital clock, right? One with red, red numbers, so it's light. It's a light in the room. And I'm, I'm squinting and trying to see, what time is it? I'm like, oh, I can't see the light. And I grabbed my glasses and everything was crystal clear. You see, you and I, spiritually have this this problem that we can't see the light we can't see and clearly what's going on around us without humbling our hearts and receiving the lenses that Jesus wants to offer through the light that he's dawning on us he is giving us this light and, and scripture says that you and I must comprehend it we must understand it we must overtake it we must wrap our hearts and minds around the light of Jesus Christ in order to see clearly what is going on in the world and what is going on in our own heart Jumping down to verse 9 of John 1, it says, The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. It's the prophecy fulfilled. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him because they didn't put their glasses on. 
And people still, and I use this analogy often, people still wander around in darkness. It's not that the light isn't on. It's that people do this. And they walk around and they wander with their, their hands over their eyes and with no glasses so they can't see what's happening. In order to adore him, the dawning light, we have to take off our old lenses and put on the new lenses of Jesus. We have to humble our hearts and say, there is something firm to grasp onto. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am going to do everything I can to comprehend and to wrap my heart and mind around him. Amen? If we would allow it, the dawning light will expose the darkness. If we would open our eyes and see, he will change everything. Number two. The dawning light shows grace. The dawning light shows grace. I gave you a background of this, of this, uh, this time in Isaiah and what was happening there and how dark it was. And, and we look at that and say, that is so, so evil. God has every right to destroy uh, Ahaz and, and, their, and everything that's going on there. And, but we don't like to say that about ourselves and our own condition. We're like, well, I'm still, I'm, I've got a chance, God. I've got a chance, Jesus. God had every right to wipe them out. God had every right to deal justly with them because he's a just and fair God. But the dawning light chose to show grace. And look at verse, uh, chapter 9 now. We're going to chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Isaiah. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future... He will bring honor by the, or to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time, and they rejoice when dividing the spoils. For you have shattered their burdensome yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, uh, just as you did on the day of Midian. For the trampling boot of battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. There is this grace that's coming. And God wants to show grace. And in, in verse 1 here we get a glimpse back to the judgment and wrath of God being spilled out on the wicked. In the time of, of Zebulun and Naphtali it says. And, and if you look up history in that, you can check that out, what was going on there. It was, it was not only a, a time of God's wrath and judgment, it was also a time of the wicked oppressing the faithful. It was despair upon despair upon despair and judgment uh, from the Lord that he gave. So there was this wickedness that resided around Jordan in the way of the sea, a sea of Galilee. And it was this region of Galilee that was under judgment, this region of Galilee that was under oppression. And what, what the scripture says, what Isaiah says is in, this, in the middle of this oppressive place, in the middle of this, this darkness and despair, in this middle of this region of gloom in Galilee, I will bring forth out of Galilee a Savior, the Messiah. That although there was judgment and despair and gloom, now I am telling you out of Galilee will rise grace. Out of Galilee will rise mercy. And this is the prophecy of the Messiah, that is Jesus Christ. Born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazarene of Galilee. He was the man from Galilee. And who people question, can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Galilee? No, not until Jesus. 
was the answer. His mercy, his grace showed up. The dawning light shows us grace. And although great judgment is upon us, upon you and I, because of our own sin and rebellion against and away from God, God is offering us his grace and his mercy in Christ, the Messiah from Galilee. Amen? There is a light that has dawned, and it is a mercy and a grace that comes from Jesus. And through his grace, there will be no more gloom for those who are in anguish. We may have been a real mess in our lives, right? We may have been in deep anguish and darkness and despair in our own heart and, and over the darkness of the world as well. But there's coming a time when the gloom will be over. There's coming a time when, when the distress is going to end. And it's, it's not about the promise for today that our, our circumstances and our anguish will end today, but the hope that we have today in Jesus will make that small potatoes compared to knowing him and the hope of eternity with him. Our obedience and our faith today are not in vain because they rest in the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful prophecy and picture this is. What a wonderful prophecy and picture it was in that day for the faithful, for those who, who trusted God and knew, knew he was there but needed to be reminded he was on his throne, needed to be reminded that, that he wins and that their faithfulness and their obedience was not in vain. God, his dawning light, the dawning light, shows grace. Number three, the dawning light is the perfect Savior. The dawning light is the perfect Savior. Let's continue on reading in, in chapter 9, verse 6. This is where we normally pick up for, for uh, Christmas season. And as I read that scripture, I, I love this scripture, but I started reading around it and said, there's, there's more to this. We need to know more, right? So today, here's our Christmas scripture about the Savior. Look at verse 6. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. This is our Christmas promise, amen? This, this is the, the child that we will be born that, that's given to us. From God. It's, and I want you to notice it's for us. He's given for us and to us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. It's not something we could grab and find and get ourselves. God, the Father, gives us himself as Jesus, the Son. He says, you needed Jesus. I'm providing him. Here's my gift to you. Here's what, here's what you need. And like any good gift, I want you to think about the humility in, in good gifts. There's maybe been times in your life where you weren't so financially sound, right? Or maybe it's that time now. But there's times in our life, I know for me too, like there's times where, and the budget is, is running on zero. I've got bills to pay. God, what's going to happen? And then someone comes up and says, Brandon, do you, do you need some help? And, and many years ago, I remember this person handed us a, a check and said, this is, I want you to have this. This is a gift from us to you. You don't have to pay us back. God just was leading us to give this to you. We love you. Now, I'm in a position now, right? I'm in a place where someone's giving me this perfect gift for what's happening in my life. But in order for me to really understand and receive it, I've got to humble myself now. I've got to shake off that pride and say, yes, thank you. I do need that. I accept that gift. I receive what you're giving me. 
For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. You and, for you and I, God gave his son for us. The best gift, the perfect gift, the perfect savior. But what it takes for you and I is to humble ourselves and say, that's exactly what I need. I need to swallow my pride and say, yes, I need that gift. I need the gift of Jesus this Christmas. I need the dawning light who is the perfect savior to invade. Some of you might be there today. Some of you might be in a place that you've never trusted Christ. You've never put your faith in him. You've never believed the gospel of Jesus. He's the gift. Humble yourself. Turn from yourself. Turn from your own goodness, your own solutions, and say, God, I believe Jesus. I'm receiving Jesus today. And he'll change everything. The perfect Savior was a child. It was God who became flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, is just what we needed. It wasn't God far off trying to accomplish something that that was needed here. It was God with us in the form of Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. He gave us just what we needed. We needed the Savior to be with us, to teach us more about us and more about him. We needed a Savior who could sympathize with our weakness and our temptations. And we needed a Savior who was going to go to the cross and give his life on our behalf, the life that we owed him. See, he couldn't do that from afar. He had to do that right here, flesh and blood on the cross. He was a child. He was a man. He was human being flesh. But he was not only a man. He was, he was God in human form. Our perfect Savior had to be flesh so he could die, but he had to be all God so he could bear man's sin and defeat Satan, sin and death once and for all. No man has power over Satan, sin, and death. Only God does. So the man Jesus died and the Lord Jesus rose conquering Satan, sin, and death. He's the perfect Savior. And he was no ordinary child. He was the Holy Spirit conceived, virgin-born Son of God. He is the perfect Savior who is the light in the darkness, our only hope. And his perfection is seen in his name and from verse 6. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This idea of wonderful counselor, he's not just a counselor who has some good ideas or some good wisdom. And, and you and I go to these counselors sometimes or, or get counsel from somebody that's wise. And, and they give us our marching orders. They give us our instructions. They give us what might be wise for us to do. And then we may or may not listen. God is the wonderful counselor. He has all the wisdom, all the advice, all the truth that we could ever need. And what he wants is for you and I to embrace him as the wonderful counselor and obey. He's the one with the only good idea and the only answer. He is mighty God. He is capable as mighty God in defeating sin, of destroying Satan, of killing death. He's capable of snatching men and women out of hell. He's capable of heal. He's capable of rising people from the dead, of answering prayer. And he is someday going to return in the fullness of his, with the fullness and expression of his power. He is a gift. He is capable of redeeming men, subduing the earth and all of its kingdoms, and reigning as the King of kings and Lord of lords. His power is power beyond power. He is our mighty God. He is our everlasting Father. Not only was he a child in time, He is a father outside of time. 
He's a father that is infinite and eternal. Father of all creation and father of everlasting life. Scripture tells us that God sent his son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. He is the everlasting father. And he is the prince of peace. He came to bring peace between man and God. See, you and I, in that New York Times article or ad, we aren't the light and we can't bring peace on our own. Only God, God through Jesus, can accomplish peace because he is the prince of peace. And it's peace between us and God. It's It's peace not only between us and God, it's an inner peace that we receive from Jesus because of the hope that we have in him. And it's a peace about his coming kingdom of peace. He is the perfect savior, the only dawning light that can make sense of the darkness. And finally, number three, number four, the dawning light is the righteous and rightful ruler. As we adore him, the dawning light, Jesus Christ is also the righteous and rightful ruler. Let's look at verse 7 of Isaiah 9. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom uh, to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. People always seem to ask, when is the world going to be equalized? When are things going to work out for the little guy? When are we going to get our due? Listen, there's coming a kingdom, and Jesus Christ will reign in righteousness and justice. He will be a just and holy and perfect king. A king is coming. A king who has the right to rule. He has the authority, because all authority was given to him. He came once and offered his kingdom, if you remember. And what did we do? We nailed him to a cross. But he'll be back. Christ is coming again. He'll be back to bring his kingdom. I I mentioned this earlier, this, this light has dawned. Sometimes we think that this hope is going to come up from within. It's going to spring to life and into action from ourselves or from the earth. That's why in the first part of this passage we, we saw that people looked to the earth for the answers. A dawn, a dawning light does not come from the earth. A dawning light breaks over the earth into the darkness. See, Christ will return and, and he will bring back his kingdom. It won't be offered next time. It will be brought. Christ will bring back his kingdom. It will be brought and it will be established on the earth. That's what he's going to do. It's a promise. And for those who are listening in Isaiah's day, we're rejoicing that one day there would be a king that would rule fair, fairly and, and, and justly with all righteousness. So who is this kingdom for? Who will this be kingdom for? Well, the light shines in the darkness so that we may believe in the sun. Scripture says, for whoever believes in the Son will have eternal life. It's for you and I who trust in Christ through faith that he is the king, that he was the propitiation for our sins when he died on the cross, that he took our place. 
We ought to let the light shine in the darkness. So here's your application today. Someone here needs to swallow their pride today. Maybe many. And they need to receive and believe in the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. They need to put on the glasses and let Jesus' light shine in the darkness of their heart. And, and swallow their pride and humble themselves and say, yes, I, I'm going to receive that gift. I'm believing in faith in, in Jesus. For the rest of us, as we adore him this Advent season, I want us to make every effort to make known the mystery of Christ in us and make every effort to make known the light of Christ that dawns and shines into the darkness. Amen? All right, let's stand and have prayer. Father, we are so grateful that, uh, that we get to celebrate Jesus every week, every day. God, especially though, as, as our world turns their eyes and hearts to something different during this season, I pray it would heighten in us an alertness and awareness of the light that has dawned. For unto us a child has been born, unto us a son has been given. And we know that his light shines in the darkness, and that light is the light of life. And we thank you for that. Help us as, as your children, redeemed by you to shine a light into the world, that people would see and know Jesus. And as ears in the world are perking up a little more during this year, during this season, I pray we'd have great conversations with friends. We'd have conversations with family that you would put us in places of divine appointment to, to talk about the light that has dawned in our heart and the light that's available for them as an anchor for their soul, as a rest. I thank you for Jesus. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. We pray in his name. Amen.